Welcome everyone here. I know I say this every time, but it really is a blessing to be able to worship with all of you guys here. And not only that, it's just a blessing to worship with many examples of faith and parenthood and the love that all of you guys show. It really encourages me and everyone here who is trying to glorify our Creator, our God. We're going to be in Samuel chapter 7. Samuel chapter 7. We're going to look at Samuel. And we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Now Father's Day is coming up this weekend, this next weekend, I believe. And it's a time where we recognize the fathers in our life and we honor them for being our fathers. Fatherhood and motherhood, being a parent, is a ton of work. It's, it's a life of service. You either know you're going to get into or you don't know and it's a complete surprise. And it just comes up on you. And it's, a, it's full of a lot of sacrifices. And yet it's also full of a lot of rewards. As parents, being husbands and wives, man and woman, together we make and represent the image of God. And if you think about it, in a way, when we parent and we raise our children, it's a great depiction and analogy of how God raises us in our faith. The difference is, of course, that we are human parents and we make mistakes. We are flawed. God, however, is the perfect father. And a part of being a father is being an example. Not just to our children, but to the other excuse me, but to the other fathers around us and in our circle of influence. And when you look at life and life lessons, often we learn life lessons from other people's mistakes. It's the safest way to learn life lessons. When we read the scriptures and we can learn from other people's mistakes, sometimes people often see who they want to be through not so great of examples. Failure in fatherhood comes with serious consequences. It's a grief that can stick with us and haunt us. However, it's important to realize and to recognize the serious responsibility we have as being fathers and mothers. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord, a reward from Him. And so tonight we're going to look at Samuel from a father's perspective. He is the last judge of our very, very, very quick sermon series on the judges. I know Nate and Caleb have done an awesome job in Philippians showing us the joy that we have in Christ. And Nate, as we should strengthen our faith and look at the examples we see in Hebrews. But when we look at Samuel, he does a great job. He is really good at what he does. He's a good priest, a good judge, a good prophet, a good leader, a good man of faith. Samuel is an awesome guy. He's one of the godliest men in the Bible. However, he's a human, just like all of us. Leaders like Samuel have a lot of responsibility. And sometimes it's easy to get our priorities all mixed up. We're given so little details when we read about Samuel about how he actually fathered. And you ask many people, including Google, and they'll say without a doubt that he was a horrible, horrible father. But we just don't know the details. Perhaps he fathered all right and his parents just chose poorly. We don't know. But what we read from the text can help us determine what we should do and not do as parents. 
Now, we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and look at verse 15. This shows the problem Samuel is having as a father. It says in verse 15, Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there. And there also he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. There's no mention of fatherhood really in this passage, other than maybe returning home to Ramah there in verse 17. Even then, he's consuming, it seems to be, that he's consuming a lot of his time and his effort here with his work. Jamie's class this morning was a great class, and he pointed out, in the busyness of life, it's not the busyness that's a sin. It's what is our purpose for being busy. Duties and responsibilities are important. And Samuel has a responsibility to be a leader to the people of Israel here. But the caution is, as fathers... If we're not careful, we can forget our family, especially our children, that they are people too, people that need our attention and our support. What does it say there in verse 16? Year after year, he would go on a circuit, travel a circuit. Year after year, he would go from city to city, judging and leading these people. He's basically on tour here, spending much of his time away from his home, as it suggests in the text. And when we look at our culture, this isn't always true, but as fathers, we tend to be away more often than not, working. And in the American household today, it's not uncommon to see at least one parent, if not both of them, to be away from the home or being away from their family. And it's not that these journeys by themselves are bad. Samuel is expected to be an effective in what he's doing and his duty and responsibility to lead these people. But the thing is, the thing is, if we're not careful, however, we can put our horse blinders on and we can lose sight of those standing next to us. We can be so focused on our duty as men and leaders in the community that we lose sight of the family that is standing by our side that are helping us and assisting us. And when we read verse 15 through 17, and then you read about his sons that we'll see in a second in 1 Samuel 8 verses 1 through 3, you notice that there's some distance mentally, spiritually, and emotionally between Samuel and his sons. We have to ask ourselves, as parents today, are we spending time with our children, with our family, with our church family? We may not, maybe we can't help it. Maybe we have a job where we have to travel. It's not so much the amount of time that we have to recognize that we're spending, but the quality of that time. We have to examine ourselves as fathers and as mothers. It's easier and easier these days to get distracted, is it not? Satan likes it when parents are distracted from their children. When we're distracted, we don't teach them what they need. And when we're distracted, we end up making mistakes ourselves. And when we're distracted, we may even ignore their mistakes. We need to understand there is a difference between our children being with us and our children not being connected with us. We have to ask ourselves, are we giving 
our children the quality attention they deserve? Are we spending the appropriate amount of time not only being with them, but connecting with them and having fruitful conversations? We uplift them. The only way as parents that we can know the proper amount of time or the proper way to connect with our children is if we know them and what they need. And this doesn't go for just parents. Much of what we'll discuss tonight goes for many people who are in meaningful relationships that want to help other people, that want to grow in those relationships. We need to be involved simply in other people's lives, in our family's lives, in our church family's lives, and when we share the gospel with others and we be an example of Jesus to others. What happens, though, when we're not involved in our children's lives or anyone else's lives? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse, verses 1-3. through 3. It says, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second was Abjah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. We see three things at the end of verse 3. That they act selfishly. They turn aside after gain. Their motivation is gain, verse 3. More, more, more. They lie and they cheat. They take bribes. More money at any cost, at the cost of other people's reputation and lives. And they lack that love. Perverting justice. The very thing that they were set out to do, they pervert. But there's a deeper issue here. Those are the effects to what is actually the cause. And when we look at this from a parent's perspective, we see two negative things. When we don't know or are involved in our children's lives, we don't know what makes them tick. We don't know where they are spiritually or mentally. We end up making assumptions to fill that gap or void for our ignorance about where our children really are and what they're really going through. And in turn, we miscalculate their needs. And so two negative things happen when Samuel appoints his sons as judges there in verse 1. He made his sons judges over Israel. The first thing is he fed into their entitlement. What happens when all we want is more, more and more? We turn aside and we're searching gain. We get a sense of entitlement, like we deserve that thing. By the time Samuel appoints his son as judges, he's older. He has a strong reputation in Israel. The people know him, and he's leading and judging these people. It's easy to imagine his kids growing up with this sense of entitlement, living and growing up in their father's shadow where they may have privileges other children during that time just don't have. And when we look at America today, our children have many privileges other kids around the world don't have. And it's not that those are a bad thing, but if they're used incorrectly for selfish gain or be used against other people, that can be so damaging. And as parents, if we're not involved in our children's emotions and feelings, then we can become unaware of how they feel and how aware they are of their own privileges. They can grow up wanting more and more and more. And how different is that from Samuel's sons and what they're doing? Samuel is a good and faithful man. He cares about God's people. He cares about their spiritual well-being. He, wouldn't, he shouldn't have appointed his children in such a high position if he had known how they would act. Surely he wouldn't have done what he did if he knew the damage that it would cause to the people and their spiritual health. 
If that is the case, then it appears that he didn't really know his children when he appointed them as judges. They came in privileged and entitled and acted on that. Or, or they came in weak and easily influenced by the world and the power of that position and what that comes with. Notice here Samuel is even wrong for appointing them as judges. That's not the pattern that we see when we read, we went through some of the judges. The judges were appointed and chosen by God when he would deliver them out of oppression from Israel's enemies. And all of a sudden, Samuel's flipping the script. He puts his sons in charge and takes it upon himself to appoint them as judges. Samuel is a very godly man, but we need to make clear he's not God. God reads our hearts. He knows what is needed for that time, not man. And we are not God either. We make mistakes. We can't read or assume the hearts of our children as much as we would like to assume the best. We as parents, we have to do the dirty work. We have to peel back the onion. We have to get involved. And it's not always a bad work or a tedious work. It can be an awesome, enjoyable work. Getting to know our children and encouraging them and building them up to be godly people. That can be enjoyable and it should be out of love. The second thing that we see, the second negative thing that we see when Samuel points them as judges, because Samuel perhaps overlooks their flaws, he miscalculates their ability and in turn gives them too much responsibility. You know, every child is different. Every child is going to grow differently. They're going to have different challenges and requirements. And if we don't know where they are in life and we give them too much to handle, then we've set them up for failure. If we don't give them enough, then we're holding them back. This goes for both parents, but as fathers especially, who are the spiritual leaders in the family, we need to know our family. A leader is not going to be able to move forward and conquer challenges if they don't know where their team members are mentally, spiritually, emotionally. They may not be ready for some of the responsibility. And in turn, what do they need? They need some training. Proverbs 22.6 gives us some wisdom here when it says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from them. A family should be a, a unit and a tight unit with the goal of being spiritually minded and spiritually active. And if our children aren't ready for some of that responsibility, it's fine. But we need to be aware of that so that we can work with them not against them. Samuel was perhaps unaware and instilled too much responsibility on his sons that they either couldn't handle or just weren't spiritually strong enough to handle. So how do we combat that? We have to ask ourselves, how do we combat that? How do we become the parent or father that our child needs in their life? An example would be to look at how God fathered Samuel through the influences and people in his life. So let's dive a little deeper into Samuel's life. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. I'll give you a little backstory. Samuel has some parents. His mom named Hannah and father named Elkanah. And they're having a hard time having a baby. And El uh, Hannah... It's like a movie, Elkanah and Hannah. <laughs> Hannah goes to God in prayer, pleading to God, please give, give me and bless me with a child. And... God does. They bless them with Samuel. And she, in turn, dedicates his life to servicing God. And, that, and then puts them in the care, puts him, Samuel, 
in the care of Eli, who also had two sons. And we'll read that his sons are very similar to Samuel's sons. So pick up with me, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. It says, And Samuel, the boy Samuel, ministered to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. Now the, son, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Stop right there for a second. Look at the boy Samuel. What is he doing? He's ministering to the Lord. That word minister in Hebrew means to serve. He's serving the Lord with the help of Eli the priest. It's not a do-it-yourself, good luck, hope you don't mess up or you'll face the wrath of God. It's right there. Eli is introducing through the Levitical priesthood a relationship between God and Samuel and Eli is right there with him. From Samuel's perspective, Sam has a strong support system to help him succeed and to train him up in the way of the Lord. Look at verse 12, though. What is Eli's sons doing? They do not know the Lord. Eli's sons didn't acknowledge the Lord's authority, and that sounds very similar to Samuel's sons later. This is why. This is why it's so important to know our children so that they can know and that they can grow in the Lord. Continue with me. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed in a linen of thod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when he went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. That's an amazing, beautiful imagery here that shows the support system that Samuel has when ministering to the Lord. And notice his parents... Elkanah here in Hannah, they're distant from Samuel, physically distant, and yet it's not so much the amount of time, but the quality of time that they spend with Samuel, the opportunity that they take to instill in him the importance of obeying God. She's not just making regular garments, but priestly garments that help instill in him the importance of his ministry, work, and service to the Lord. And yet, when is this happening? When Samuel is young, when Samuel's a child, parents, if we can, it benefits so much to start raising our children at a young age. But the goal as a father and mother, look at verse 26. Drop down, look at verse 26, 1 Samuel 2, is to raise our children so that they can continue to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord. Turn with me to the next chapter. Look at, look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. One of the things we saw Samuel kind of fail at was that as a father, he failed to measure his son's abilities and what they could handle and where they were in their life. Look at what God does with Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, Now the young man, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent visions. Now the Lord comes to Samuel in his sleep three times. Samuel thinks it's Eli, and Eli helps Samuel when addressing God. And verse 10 we pick up. Look there in verse 10. 1 Samuel 3, verse 10. And the Lord came and stood calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, in which two ears, if everyone who hears it, will tingle. And on that day, 
I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. We know Eli's sons did not know God, and in turn they did what was evil. And because of Eli's negligence as a father, God punishes Eli. But this is news that Samuel now has to deliver to Eli. That's not easy to do. Can Samuel deliver that news? Can he deliver a news of pain and sorrow to a person that he loves and admires so much? Look at the next verse, verse 15. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he, that's the Lord, told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me at all, he told you. So Samuel told him everything, and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, It is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. Hesitantly, Samuel does what is expected of him, with a little push from Eli here. Why? Because Samuel was mature enough in his faith to realize the importance of obeying God. He knew the Lord, and of course the Lord knew him. God measured Samuel's abilities, and he was able to work and strengthen Samuel. As a father, when we measure and assess where our child is at, then we need to work with them from there so that when challenges do arise, they can tackle those things head on. They can rely on God because they were shown the way, not by copying us and our faith exactly, but by using what is uniquely them so that they can have and they can grow in their own faith. Look at what happens to Samuel in verse 19. Now Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. That is something we should all want for our children. To have a good reputation and relationship, a strong faith in the Lord. And as we close tonight, I want to look at how Samuel took what he learned and experienced and God has cultivated in Samuel you know, God's needs and Samuel has been obedient he's been faithful look back at 1 Samuel chapter 7 1 Samuel chapter 7 as we make this full circle if you will 1 Samuel chap, uh, chapter 7 verse 2 from the day that the ark was lodged a long time passed some 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord verse 3 and Samuel said to all the house of Israel if you're returning to the Lord with all your heart then put away foreign gods and the Asherah from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines so the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Asherahs and serve the Lord only and if we continue reading, they, through the help of the Lord, destroy the Philistines. But when we look at verses 3 and 4, these are the words of a concerned and caring spiritual father. 
that's what Samuel is to these Israelites when he acts as a spiritual father and his duty as a priest and a judge and a prophet. We need, we need those words by Samuel to be familiar to us. We need to express that care. And when we read that, it sounds kind of familiar, like Luke 18, when a wealthy ruler came to Jesus and said, hey, I want to enter eternal life. I've obeyed all the commandments. And Jesus says, sell all that you have and give your money to the poor and follow me, verse 22. As fathers, mothers, grandparents, spiritual parents, are we giving everything to the Lord? Samuel said what to God's people? Put away foreign gods and direct your heart to the Lord and serve only Him, verse 3. The children we have, the children here in this local church are a great blessing. We forget that sometimes. That they are souls too. Are we giving them the quality attention that they need? Let's drop the distractions in our life. Share the love of Jesus Christ with our family. Let's get involved in the lives of loved ones. Because it's easy, I know. To come home from work and not want to do anything. It's easy not to want to be interested in what they're interested or encourage them when, they're, when we're just distracted with something else or put them to bed and feed them and never pray with them. Help them up when they're in pain or they're hurt and they never show Jesus' love. Think about it for a second. How do we share the gospel? The relationships that we've built and the trust that we've instilled in those relationships and as a father, we have a great starting place. So let's not hold back teaching them the way, the truth, and the life, and Jesus, and what that means for our life. See where they are. See where they are, and work with them to grow in maturity and faith, and show them how to succeed in Christ. And that goes not just for parents, but anyone who may be sharing the gospel with others to get involved in their lives and to help them on the journey. I love what Eli says to his sons when they're acting poorly in, in 1 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 2.25. Remember, Eli was a guardian to Samuel, and he says this, If a man sins against a man, one may appeal to God on his behalf, but if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? He leaves that question open-ended for them to answer, but the thing is, we have an answer today through Jesus. And in Romans 8.34, God assures us that Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And because of that sacrifice, because of the sacrifice of the founder and the perfecter of our faith, he intercedes for us on our behalf to God for our sins. And because of Jesus, we are forgiven our sins when we are baptized and washed clean. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us. This is an invitation tonight for all to examine themselves, to apply what needs to be applied, to change what needs to be changed. And if tonight you need to accept Jesus' invitation to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, please come forward now while we stand and we sing.